up. The podcast is ready. Okay. Welcome to week 5.3 of Camp Social Distance. 5.3. 5.3. That's I figure that's a fun way to keep track of this bullshit. Sure, whatever you say. <laughs> whatever. I'm going to I'm going to take your lead on this one, Adam. Whatever you say helps get through this. Sure. Hey man, what are your thoughts on Andrew Garfield the Spider-Man? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Why would we talk about that? I, I think it's I was just telling Zach, I think it's so funny that like all it took was for Screen Junkies to put out a tweet of like your pick three for your favorite Spider-Man movies, and now everyone is hopping on this trend of your favorite Spider-Man movies. Oh, it's uh, like I said, it's uh, when something starts trending on Twitter, yeah. everyone tries to then jump off that thing because it helps with the algorithm. Of know, course, like, on the algorithm. I so, feel yeah, like boom, boom, boom. I, I feel like there's been some some um, like social um, sites that have been doing it better, where they're like, oh, okay, cool. We're going to run with this idea, but we're going to do something different and not the same thing. Right. Uh, I have ideas for lots of those sorts of things. I think it would be really fun to see what uh, what people's choices are for a lot of these. Like, I would love to do a matchup of studios between, like, A24. I, I want to do, like, the most random ones, though. I want right, to do, like, A24, right. fucking, like, Marvel, and just see, like, how skewed it is one way to for me to really be like, nobody watches these movies. Okay, <laughs> cool, 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 cool. I don't know. You might be surprised. I think there's certain things that, like, if it's targeted in the right way towards film Twitter, it yeah. can get people hyped. Oh, for sure. But it's got to be just the right kind of lovable niche. Yeah, you know? it does. It really does. Um, but how's everybody doing today? Yeah, Happy Wednesday, Hump Day, New Comic Book Day, and I have no clue if there are new comic books coming out, but there is a ton of stuff going on online today where creators are supporting the comic book mm-hmm. industry. I don't know if you saw this, but... I've got a little hint of it. I know Hector is uh, is officially doing something where he's doing a giveaway for a book. I think it's called The 75 Years of DC History, and it's uh, actually signed by Paul Levitz, who used to be the publisher, or... Um, not the publisher. No, he was the publisher of DC Comics. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when he retired, but for the majority of, I think, the 90s and the 2000, early 2000s, he was there. Um, yeah, so I've kind of got like a hint of it, but I don't know exactly all the details uh, of, of exactly what's been happening. But I think Sam Humphrey started it, didn't he? I'm, I'm not of, sure who started it, but okay. uh, I've seen a lot of people participating it on, in it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And that being said, I follow a ton of comic book creators. I know that um, to support today, um, uh, Danny Cates or Donny uh, Cates. Donny Cates. Yeah. My God, my brain right now. I saw that. Uh, Donny Cates like bought an entire comic book shop's pool yeah. for its customers. Yeah. In Austin, Texas, which is absolutely it's awesome. Fucking awesome. So, such a boss move. I mean, to be, it's so weird to like think this way and even say it out loud but i saw that on twitter the other day i was like man should i be should i be nuts and like offer to buy someone's like five blu-rays that they've been wanting for like yeah. the longest time like i really want to like just like do that for somebody that's a dope idea but right? speaking of free blu-rays don't we have something to give away if we hit our goal today we do we do so our friends at universal do? our friends at universal hit me up um how why is this why is this a thing one second. Zoom to fit. There you go. Um, our friends at Universal, they provided us with an extra copy of Oh, the do, you, do you want me to cut to yeah, it? Yeah, cut to it. Oh, you want me to cut to yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, bro. Oh, shit, bro. Oh, there it is. Uh, our friends at Universal Pictures, they uh, emailed me and asked me if we were interested in giving away an extra copy of The Gentleman on 4K Blu-ray. So today, at the end of the day, when we hit our goal, we will randomly pull one person from the chat room, and you will be the recipient of a brand new Blu-ray to your collection collection interesting yeah interesting. they're actually going to be sending me a fun little gift set and it's going to have uh the blu-ray and a few other things in there so i'm, I'm excited yeah. to unveil that and and, and see and see what so that looks like so if we like. hit our goal today we're going to pull that'll be added to our pool of winners there's hell so yeah. you're giving so many things to the community this week adam at the end of the week everyone's get to get to hang out with you hell yeah baby adam's special club his I'm little super his little tree house uh, yesterday i think we added three people to the clubhouse we did and uh, four to the, the day before that yeah which i'm a like popping clubhouse, oh shit man. hell yeah so i've been saying this every day but i like i really want you guys to help me decide what we do i want it to be a very much a community driven thing uh, i'm down to do whatever i know there were people in there yesterday who were like ah oh, should we just do something really simple so he doesn't have to take a lot of time of his weekend i'm like nah man this is for you guys yeah this is for you guys this and is your one opportunity simple is watching a movie adam loves watching movies i'm gonna do it no he's gonna what. do it either anyway over the weekend yeah so. exactly <laughs> so if there's like stuff you want me to talk about or if you want to watch something like i'm yep. open to anything and uh i want to give a huge shout out to the individuals who are hanging out in the chat room yesterday when i was doing my tech work through yeah um specifically shale uh who kind of tipped at the end there to show support but 
also was messaging me on Discord with some behind-the-scenes stuff. Um, we, we fixed the computer issues uh, mm-hmm. today. Everything looks like it's running great, Yeah, running much, much better. Uh, it looked to be as if – I'm new to the Threadripper family. Yeah, uh, I'm used to the Intel motherboards and the Intel chipset, and this is the first Threadripper that I've worked with. And apparently there are some settings in the BIOS uh, as well as having to install some special software to help get better control over the Threadripper to keep it from going into eco mode. So what had happened is our processor had automatically switched on eco mode somehow, and we were only running at 1.7 gigahertz out of 3.7. And that meant that our, obviously, with the amount of stuff that we run, it was just causing all sorts of stuff to go haywire. The minute we got that boosted up, now we're running at 4.3 on all cores 100% of the time. No issues whatsoever. And it's running nice and cool and smooth. So knock on wood, uh, things can be running great. But thank you guys so much in the audience for helping me troubleshoot that yesterday. And it was really fun at the same time yeah. when we got done troubleshooting to like show everyone in the chat mm-hmm. how we set up our software every day. That was yeah. actually really cool. There was a part of me that was really nervous because like, man, our competitors are going to watch this and they're going to see exactly how we do all these different things. But at the same time, it's it's cool to share and I hope it was informative for people and I hope that it was something that was really cool for people to to see and check out. And uh, there was a lot I had to leave out though because I realized as I was going through our setup how many sites that we use that I can't show. Because <laughs> if I showed them... it gives them, away uh, stuff. <laughs> it gives away stuff, but it also, like, if I showed them, they would get broken. Yeah. Some asshole would well, find it yeah. and break it. So we have a lot of stuff that we use that I, I can't show off, and I can't yeah. show you certain steps in our workflow. Just can't do it. I get that. I get that. Uh, get we also it. have a brand new slate of movies uh, that you guys can vote for that we can uh, watch next week. I didn't know that you put those in the folder, so I did not put them in the board. You want to just pull them up on your computer then, and I can cut to you? Yeah, you got to tell me these things, man. I'm doing like 30 things down here every morning. I, I don't know. Man, uh, you, you know the routine by now. I know the routine, uh, but you got to tell me. The, the, so the three movies were picked by Malika. You can either vote for Amelie, The Lives of Others, or House of Flying Daggers. And you can do so at oneshot.straylogic.com. And uh, whatever ends up winning at the end of the day, uh, that's what uh, we'll watch one of those next week. Uh, so far, we've got uh, a choice, one of your choices. What was your choice from Monday? Parasite, I believe, won. Parasite correct? won. Yesterday it was miracle. Yesterday, yesterday was miracle. Right. Sick. We got some fun movies. It's gonna be Dude, very different. Next week's gonna be a very night. different. Last night was last night was intense. Uh, crazy. Uh, I I had to watch some Letter Kenny to calm down. <laughs> I don't. What did, what did I do after? But I, what was really funny is I put Letter Kenny on and calmed down. Yeah. And then I was like, I kind of like that heightened state of stress. So then I put on season four of Breaking Bad. <laughs> Oh, that's just, right. That's right. That's just right. Like living in that state of stress yeah. for a little while. I forgot about the scene because I've been watching Better Call Saul and loving it. Mm-hmm. I think Better Call Saul is really good. And there was a part of me, and, and I think I even said this on the air a couple weeks ago, where I was mm-hmm. like, shit, man, this new season of Better Call Saul, like it might, it might be better than Breaking Bad. I've heard and, people say that, yeah. I'm an idiot. I went back and I watched. <laughs> oh, it was Breaking Bad? No, no, no. Oh, okay. I meant I'm an idiot for saying that because mm. it's just time had allowed me to forget how fucking amazing oh, Breaking Bad is. Yeah. Putting it on last night and trying to work and then having this scene come up where Skyler like uses the money to pay for Ted. Ted mm-hmm. dies. <laughs> and Gus is like put a is basically said if you do anything, Walt, we're gonna kill your family, and Jesse's being working for Gus. Yeah. And it's just like all these things culminating, and yeah. it all culminates to that moment where Walt is under the staircase mm-hmm. with spider webs and he's laughing hysterically, and and the camera like pulls out mm-hmm. and you see him in the hole and under the floorboard, and it's just like Holy fuck. Yeah. I, I'm an idiot for thinking Better Call Saul was better than... Better Call Saul is really good. It's yeah. got amazing character work. But it doesn't have that insane, gripping fucking intensity yeah. that Breaking Bad can pull off that is just mind-blowing. Yeah, I think... Um I think it's rare for a series that is either like a sequel or a prequel to something so beloved by people that it ends up being as good. I think a lot of times we've seen shows that are like a continuation of some yeah. sort that we're like, ah, the first one's way better. You might as well just watch this one. I mean, I, I will say in all of yeah. Better Call Saul's defense, though, it starts a little slow. Yeah. I think there's too much time spent on the relationship with the brother. Mm-hmm. Once the brother's kind of out of the picture, Better Call Saul gets really, 
really good. And it reminds you why you love that universe. It reminds yeah. you why you love the universe that Breaking Bad came from. Yeah. It's strong. Yeah. It's, it is a really strong show. It's really well written. And the characters are more likable. Mm -hmm. Even though, like, Saul Goodman, <laughs> Jimmy, <Yeah. laughs> Jimmy McGill, even though he's kind of a piece of shit, yeah. he's way more likable than the characters in Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to swallow. It's, uh, but still really intense. And you get some of your favorite characters from Breaking Bad on the show too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that at least a lot of people who've been watching Better Call Saul have said that like, it's either some people like it more, some people like it just as much. Mm -hmm. Very few people that I've, that I've talked to have been like, I don't really like this show. It's, it's. I, I honestly don't know if I know a single person. Yeah. Um, so I think that's like a huge testament to that team of creators. And I don't know if it's the, I don't know if it's Vince, Vince Gilligan. It's the, yeah. And it's one of the writers from uh, Breaking Bad. One of the writers, I, I can't remember the name right now, mm -hmm. but it was the main writer who pushed the better, uh, the Saul Goodman storyline. Gotcha. Helped spin off the gotcha. Better Call Saul gotcha. uh, show. Yeah. And kind of developed it. And, and, and it, I mean, I can't say anything bad about it. I just feel like an idiot for saying it was better than Breaking Bad mm. now because I mean, just a quick dip of my toes back into Breaking Bad sure. for a couple hours last night reminded me that that show is in a class that stands on its own. It is unmatched in some of its moments. Yeah. That that whole episode is just a masterpiece. I mean, Absolute I'm looking at it now. The finale aired in 2013, so almost seven years. So it would make sense that like... It, you're not going to remember every detail yeah. and every like nuance of that I should. Show. I've watched it all the way through five times. Holy shit, really? Yeah. I've only watched it all I've the way through I've got all once. the Blu-rays upstairs. It's a show. Oh, no way. Yeah. I've got let every me, one of well, them. Let me fucking borrow those. But on Netflix, they have them all in 4K. Never mind. The entire show is on in 4K on Netflix. Okay, are you are you as irritated with that as I am? Right. That yes. a lot of the shows yes. go to yes. 4K yes. on digital and not on disc. Yes. Oh it my fucking god. Fucking makes me because so mad. Because it's like you're only getting a small portion of the quality yeah. that you would get from 4K. Yes, it looks great. Yes, Netflix has an absolutely wonderful codec. Yeah. But, but to still. act as if it compares even close to a physical disc yeah. that's giving you 50 megabytes per second. Get out of here. I know. And I think that, that to me is like the most frustrating thing. So I have, I, have a, I have Plex and I rip all my Blu-rays. That's just how I do it. Fuck anyone who says that that's whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I just re-ripped the Predator. So I have the 4K version of the Predator. But I, before I wasn't able to rip the 4K version. So I had the Blu-ray on my computer. And I ripped the 4K yesterday. And I was just like looking at the difference between the image. Mm -hmm. And it's just like mind-blowing yeah. how different it is. And there is that little part of me when we talk about shows like Breaking Bad or Watchmen in particular, a lot of stuff that's on TV right now that like you know that 4K quality is in there, but you'll never see it because it's only available digitally. Like Chernobyl is a show that I imagine that had to have been mastered in 4K. Yeah. I, I don't think... I, it had I mean, to have been. It broadcast in 4K. Yeah, exactly. You could, you could watch it in 4K, I believe. So. Yeah. And but it's not being released. But it's not being released. And Watchmen. Watchmen. That shows that, so there's good. There's no better example of how stupid this is that we're not getting a 4K release of Watchmen. Yeah. That show is beautiful. Yeah. And the team worked so hard on it. Why aren't we getting the best quality output of that? It's yeah, and it's really and I think honestly, honestly, it's just a lack of education um, by 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 the audience, and yeah. it's not your fault. Because just like 3D and just like IMAX, I, no one has educated I don't, people. I don't know if that's true, though, because I feel like people are upgrading to 4K. I don't feel they, like people upgrade to 3D, but I do believe... They are upgrading to 4K. I'm sorry, this is our lunch that good. was supposed to be it's here an hour good. ago. So I think a lot of people are upgrading to 4K, but a lot of people don't necessarily know why and what they should buy. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me on social media, whether it's on my Instagram or my Twitter, I'm always being asked of like, Okay, so I have I have the ability to play Blu-ray. I have a, or a 4K TV. Um, do I need to buy every movie in 4K? Some movies in 4K? And the thing that I always tell people, and you can look this up on IMDb. This is available. This is readily available information. Uh, the tech specs section on IMDb actually tells you whether or not a movie was mastered in 4K. The most obvious stuff that you can buy in 4K is old movies, stuff that was shot on film. Um, whether it's 16 millimeter or 35 millimeter, obviously if it's sh shot on 35 millimeter or, or IMAX 65 millimeter, then that stuff is going to look really freaking good. 
the digital stuff is kind of where it's hit and miss. If a movie has a completely digital pipeline, movies can be 2K final and upscaled to 4K, or they can be native in 4K. All of the new Star Wars movies that have come out since 2015 have all been mastered in 4K. So if you really wanted a full 4K experience, you could do that. And then there's a lot of shows that... I know a lot of companies like Netflix, they have certain guidelines that have to be met. Um, certain things that have to be shot in 4K. Oh, shit, son. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but I know that there are people out there who have 4K televisions, but don't necessarily have a way to play 4K movies. And they're like, D do I need this? Should I do this? It kind of really depends. And I, I like, I don't think, I don't think it's for everybody necessarily. I don't think everybody needs to upgrade their system. But mm -hmm. if you like movies a lot and you have a 4K TV and you have Dolby Vision or HDR10 or HDR10 Plus on your television, then like, I think it's a good investment. Definitely good investment. Should we go back just a bit? We've kind of gone off on a tangent, which is great. Should we go back and watch the trailers for the movies for next week? Oh, yeah. We were going to do that. I think we should we? do that. I think we should do that. We're going to watch the trailers for Amelie, The Lives of Others, and The House of Flying Daggers. Uh, I've seen all three of these. And oh, you have? Every one of them is a great choice. Mm -hmm. Great choice. These are Malika's picks. I saw Amelie once with my mom, and I liked it, but I don't think I appreciated it enough. Interesting. How old were you? Uh, this movie came out in the early 2000s. I was in like... I must have been a freshman or sophomore in high school. I think older filmmaker Adam might appreciate it more. Probably. I think it's I think it's the director's strongest work. Yeah. Yeah. Delicatessen's good, but it's not it's not up there. Yeah. I mean, well, it's no alien resurrection. Oh my god. Choice. Let's watch the trailer. <laughs> Choice. You know? It's another one of those movies that has a basketball scene in it for some ungodly reason. I'll still never what is it with white people and basketball I'll, scenes? I'll, and I'll still never get over the fact that Aliens 3 is uh, Fincher and Joss Whedon. That's so weird to me still. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, trailer? Uh, yeah, we can do that. Just go ahead and hit play, and then I'll, uh, I'll cut over. It's playing. Do you know? What these people have in common. No. This is Amelie. With the discovery of this a is so clearly treasure, she one of Malika's favorite movies. To fix other people's yeah. lives. And perhaps her own as well. This this it now having rewatched the trailer, I forget how much of a like Wes Anderson y Tim yep. Burton feel yep. this like just the trailer. It's got a it's, it lives in its own world. Yeah. It lives in its own world and it has a very great sense of strong world building. Yeah. Without being as fantastical as Tim mm -hmm. Burton and uh or like um illustrated yeah. as Wes Anderson. You know, yeah. it's more organic yeah. and feels more lived in. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's a very charming movie. Yeah. It's a very charming love story. Yeah, I think just the, my 14-year-old cynical self was like, this is dumb. I'm Probably. I'm into this. Yeah, yeah. I could see a... Um, like a, early 2000s, it's like the Matrix is out yeah, and yeah. Star Wars. Oh, and yeah, you're yeah. like, I'm I probably Lee, went through that fuck? exact same phase. Like, luckily, yeah. I didn't see it till college when I was more of a soft boy. Yeah. But, you know... <laughs> Defensive, okay. trying to be machoistic, yeah. RoboCop lover probably would have been like, no, no, nah, man, this, this movie for girls. Is, I feel like that's like the craziest thing about growing up is you as a person learn to accept so much more of like the world, mm -hmm. which is like that should kind of be the natural progression of your life. The more you learn, the more accepting you are. But it's kind of baffling sometimes when you look back and you're like, why was I so closed off to so many amazing things? Yeah. 
and I, it's some, I'm sure toxic some, masculinity. Yeah, it's 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 a, a, it's a lot of like social like influence, fucking brainwashing. Man. Yeah, it's it's so dumb. I spent years getting deprogrammed from that stuff. Yeah. Growing up in a small town in southern Missouri, yeah, I didn't realize what it was because mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a name for it. Right. Until I think it was a woman's studies class I took in college. Yeah. And it was like one of those moments. I know they joke about it on Letterkenny all the time. Yeah. Where he he takes the women's studies class and all of a sudden he starts like quoting. All, I don't know if that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta respect the woman's right. <laughs> Respects. Um, oh man! Uh, but it's, you know, it was a very eye-opening experience to be like, wow, I didn't even realize how much stuff was just programmed into me from yeah. society to act and behave a certain way based on some idea of what it meant to be macho. Yep. And having this kind of insecurity over showing any form of affection yep. whatsoever. My mom actually just recently. This is what I'm pulling up. My mom <clears throat> just recently sent me photos that she found of me in my bedroom and it's just like me sitting in front of all like the memorabilia that I have and I remember as a kid like being fucking terrified to have friends over Mm -hmm. knowing that I had like Batman bed sheets or I had like DC superheroes displayed on my wall because I was like oh people are gonna fucking make fun of me oh yeah I got the shit kicked out of me it was fine (laughs) <laughs> I was like, I don't get it. This stuff's cool. I know. And it's so like, you look back and you're like, this is so dumb. So like, dumb. Why did I care? It's one of the reasons I love moving to LA is I felt like when I lived in Kansas City, even though I was a part of the art scene, yeah. there was still this negative connotation to not, it was like, you weren't a grown up. Yeah. And even though it was like a liberal art scene, it still had all this kind of preconceived notions about whether or not you should be allowed to just enjoy things. Right. You know, there was so much... Um, kind of bullshit presentation to Mm -hmm. how you had to appear. And the second I I moved to LA and I found my tribe of nerds who were also (laughs) professionals working their asses off, I was like, oh, great. I don't have to worry about being made fun of uh, professionally for loving Spider-Man, which is silly to say now because we're streaming on Twitch and probably have a lot of like-minded audience. Pull this up really quick. What's up? This, this, my computer. (laughs) That's that's me. (laughs) And look at this. Yeah, have, baby. Look at this. Look at this fucking this dope-ass 4x3, this sound system Woo! over here. We got those pictures and the reflection yeah. my, there. We got my, those posters on the wall. My antenna over here, I think. Look at this. This is like multiple radios, my VCR. This is my, my VHS copy, my PlayStation movies. Uh, I don't know. Some old VHS tapes. Look at this. Dude, I'm fully like yeah. decked out, bro. Like all these cups and shit. You've always been a DC boy. I have been, and this that's why I get so frustrated. Like, this is all fucking Batman stuff, and then all my Power Ranger Megazord. Hey! And look at these bed wait, sheets. Wait, wait, wait. Can you give me a zoom in on that face? Yeah, look at that smile. Yeah. Look at, look at that boy right there. Look at that sweet boy. This is a happy kid right here <laughs> who was terrified to let people in his house because he was like, man, I'm going to get beat up for liking Power Rangers. Yeah. No, that's great, man. That's great. Um, we do have two more trailers we to watch. Do. Yeah, you DC shill, you. How dare you enjoy something since childhood? Isn't that crazy? Uh, let's check out the trailer for The Lives of Others. Um, this one, a little bit heavier. Yeah. A little bit heavier movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, very good. What is this? 2006? Uh, it's when year did question. this come out? When was this trailer uploaded? In theaters, 2007. Seven. 2007. I saw this in theaters in Kansas City at an at a indie theater. Oh, wow. And I don't remember the whole thing, so it'd be cool to revisit it. All right, you got it? Yep.
Well, I'm glad it was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, meaning that someone has to say something at some point in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because the whole trailer has no dialogue, but the whole movie is about listening to other people's conversations. I thought that was probably like one of the most interesting things about that trailer Yeah, is the fact that there is no dialogue. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then they're just using sort of like hand gestures to, to, to inform you as the audience. We of know like, we're being listened to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, like living that. in a nation state. And uh, it's definitely Berlin, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Germany. Yeah. Uh, so... Very good movie. Mm-hmm. Very good. And then we have one more that you can vote for, House of Flying Daggers, mm-hmm. which is the sequel to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Which i never seen. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, luckily for you, I don't think you need to see Crouching Tiger to watch House of Flying Daggers. Mm-hmm. Um, gotcha. So uh, let's, uh, let's pull it up. Okay. Oh, maybe it is its own thing. I thought it was a sequel. I could be totally wrong that those the same characters. Yeah, I'm wrong. Ignore everything I said. My brain made it a sequel. But it's a spiritual successor, I'll say that much. Dude, the bamboo forest scene is so good. saw Takeshi and uh, Fallen Angels. God damn. <clears throat> There's some beautiful action scenes yeah. in that movie. Very beautiful. Uh, you can't go wrong with any of these picks. Not that anything we've had for you to choose from... <laughs> Other than Dogtooth, which one? <laughs> that was an experience. I'm I, glad we got to go through that together. I do have a serious question, though, for the audience. Now that you know, so many of you have signed up for Criterion for two weeks, have you been going through Criterion and watching some of their other movies? Or have you really just been kind of like following along with us? Because I'd love to know if you, there's other stuff that you found that you're like, oh, man, I found this movie by this director. Uh, or I finally watched this movie that I've heard of but never seen. Yeah. And I really enjoyed it. Because I think that's like, so like Criterion, usually every month they'll announce their upcoming releases for the next like two months or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like they just announced today what's coming in July, including that Bruce Lee uh, box set. But I think um, I'm always intrigued to see what gets pulled into the Criterion collection. Like one of them is a marriage story. And you're like, this is a like a brand new movie. I think it has to do a lot with behind the scenes stuff. Yeah. And a lot of it is like, okay, why, why this movie? Like Wes Anderson has a ton of titles on there. There's so many movies that have made it on Criterion that I disagree with them being selected over others. Yeah. A lot. So I think it has to do with who owns the distribution rights, like what kind of contracts have been set up. Is there a movie that you, that has not been on Criterion yet that like you're waiting for? 2046. Oh yeah. I guess I should have known the answer to that question. Fucking A. (laughs) I can't even get it on Blu-ray, man. Yeah. Yeah, I got true. a fucking DVD copy that I had imported. That's very true. You that's know, very true. <laughs> I want that shit. Yeah, you've got in the mood for love on there. Yeah, give me the next one. How many of how many of one car wise films are on Criterion? Just two. Uh, King Express and In the Mood for Love, or is there other Fallen ones? Angels? Oh, Fallen Angels obviously was on there. Yeah. Also, I think Happy Together is on there. Gotcha. Uh, I don't know if Days of Being Wild is on there as well. Which Days of Being Wild is the prequel to In the Mood for Love. Oh, okay. The woman character mm-hmm. who uh, gets married in that movie, she's also in Days of Being Wild, her mm-hmm. character. And just like, they're part of the informal trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like you're just getting different snapshots of their life, these different characters throughout their different 
developmental love languages is how I would say that and probably laugh at myself later for <laughs> describing it that way. But it's, you know, you uh, days of being wild is like your college age mm-hmm. and love. And then I think in the mood for love is, you know, like early 30s, responsible, looking for that deep connection. Yeah. And then 2046 is jaded, fuck it, I'll just sleep with whoever. I'm never going to get the one I love. <laughs> you know, yeah. like... Weren't you? Uh, I, I've seen people bring this movie up a lot. Uh, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Yep. Weren't you uh, watching that movie? I think like a year or so ago before we moved. Probably. I've seen it numerous times. I, I feel like a lot of people talk about that movie. It's on Negiplex, I think. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> uh, it's a movie that uh, a lot of people have talked about, and I've only seen like select little clips from it. It just like doesn't grip me. I don't know why. It's weird. Okay. All I mean, of his movies Gilliam. are. Yeah. All of yeah. his movies have a but weird flow. But I love Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So, and that's yeah, see, also I don't really like that weird. movie. Yeah, no, you know, it's they they all have a very weird flow to them. Yeah. and way about them, and very hit or miss for me. But Baron Munchausen, I don't like as much as Buckaroo Banzai, which has a similar level of weird. Did Gilliam do that? No, no, no. I'm oh, saying oh, the weirdness. In the weirdness oh, of okay. that kind of storytelling gotcha, and flow, gotcha. I would choose Buckaroo Banzai to watch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, what? Infinity War and Endgame next week for Adam's birthday? It's not my birthday. My birthday's not till June. What are you talking about? My birthday's the one next week. Yeah. Yeah, not next week. Uh, what, is, in, what day is it? It's in... Where are we no, right now? It's, it's the 15th. Is your birthday on the 12th? 12th? May 12th. Yeah, so we got like almost a month. Oh, fuck yeah. No, hopefully... We yeah. got time. We got time. Forget by then. <laughs> Forget by then. <laughs> Somebody just wrote it down, Zach. So don't worry about that. Um, other news that yeah. I thought we might want to talk about today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, some other things that we can discuss. Mm-hmm. If you have not yet, if you've not received your stimulus check from the government yet, oh, you can yeah. go to irs.gov slash coronavirus slash get dash my dash payment. I get a screen that just says, we have no record of your payment or whatever. I tweeted out the picture from it. And most people are getting the exact same screen. The system seems to be completely overwhelmed and busted at the point. <sighs> Which shouldn't surprise me in a government rollout of a website. It just should not surprise me that mm-hmm. it doesn't work properly. And that there's no information at all when I click on anything. Yeah. It's, it's just just completely, you know, I, I'm sure it's getting overloaded yeah. to, to a complete extent. But adding to that... Some things I want to talk about because after yesterday's discussion, I've just decided I'm tired of letting this bullshit go on. <laughs> I'm just tired of it. You know, I got a couple of messages from some of you in the community yesterday about appreciating that we decided to kind of open up and talk a little bit about our frustrations with the current government. And, um, you know, I want to be very careful in how we talk about it because I don't want this to become, are you Democrat? Are you uh, liberal? Are you Republican? Are you yeah. conservative? Like, I don't give a fuck about any of that shit. I care about who's in power and whether or not we hold we are holding those in power accountable for their actions. And uh, t- when discussing the get my payment from IRS.gov, a lot of people don't have direct deposits set up. Right. I don't. A lot of people who filed their taxes don't have that yeah. set up through the IRS for uh, many reasons. Yeah. And some of us will be getting checks. Well, those checks, um, reportedly, and uh, IRS is refuting this claim because they would, because anything in this administration, anytime anybody says something, everyone's afraid to speak out because we all know what happened in the first year when everyone spoke out about everything, everyone was fired. Yeah. But people now are all falling in line, whatever. But people who used to work at the IRS um, have been doing many interviews today, letting people know because Trump demanded his name be put on the checks that get mailed. Even though the IRS has always been a apolitical identity, especially after things that went down with Nixon, mm-hmm. uh, laws were passed to make the IRS apolitical. You could not be using your powers uh, of the government to investigate opponents, um, to run audits on your opponents, things like that. It's supposed to be an apolitical organization that works for the federal government. So they've never put a president's name. It's usually signed by the treasurer yeah. of you know uh, the federal. You know, it's like it, that's how it's supposed to work. But Trump demanded that his name be put on the checks, not even a signature. And a lot of people who used to work for the IRS have stated that that means they will have to update the system, and they cannot tell you that things will go along as planned because you can't just print thousands and thousands of checks that are predetermined to go through a system that you know it will have to be realigned it will have to be like the uh put into the system the extra line of text for his name on the checks and this is very clearly a political move to try to win himself brownie points with the upcoming election see what i did 
exactly and take some credit for the fact that you're getting a check. Right. Um, despite the fact, despite the fact that he did not even want this particular system to be put into place. He championed a payroll forgiveness plan that did not get approved and did not go through. And this particular plan that's going into action was not even something that he wanted to happen. But he will now, of course, put his name on the checks. And when that mm-hmm. happens, he'll try to tell everybody, look, look at the check I gave you uh, to try to win some political See who points. signed it? It was me. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's... Frustrating beyond frustrating beyond uh, beyond belief. belief. Yeah. Uh, uh, outside of that, you know, yesterday it was announced, um, as I'm sure many people are aware, that Trump pulled support for the WHO. And guys, it's a miracle that we still have a TV back there. <laughs> Zach and I almost kicked it three times. <laughs> um, should the WHO be held accountable if they made uh, mistakes? Yes. Anyone in power should be held accountable, but to try to scapegoat and put entire blame from our government onto the WHO is an absolute disgrace, and you should see that for exactly what it is. And reporters in the Rose Garden even saw that for what it is immediately, and we're trying to push President Trump on the issue, and we're trying to get him to admit that you are ignoring the fact that the entire month of February, you did nothing, Mm -hmm. and you you spread false information. And his claim from himself, his claim from himself for why he was pulling funding from the WHO is that they applauded China's handling and transparency of the coronavirus pandemic. And immediately, reporters called to the fact that you, too, have done did the, the same exact thing. same thing yeah. through tweets on January 24th. And uh, he tried to brush off that question and said, I never did that, which we have the receipts. <laughs> we have the receipts. We know what happened. Do not let this administration gaslight you. Yeah. Double check everything. When they say something, if it sounds fishy, if it sounds too good to be true, please double check it. There's almost a tweet for everything with this president yeah. where he has contradicted himself, gone back on his word, and said something else. Don't let him then come out and try to skip by by saying, no, I didn't do that. I'm the one that closed down the border to China. Well, let's, ad- let's look into that a little bit. Yes, he did say there was a travel ban on China, but 40,000 individuals still came through after that travel ban because U.S. citizens were able to come back. Mm -hmm. It didn't really do that much. And he's applauding himself for something that the Chinese government one week before had already put in place. No one from their country was allowed to fly out. You're putting a ban on something that the country that is in question had already put a stop to. So you're trying to win political brownie points for something that's kind of a mute point in the first place. And it happened to Two days after private airline companies had already put their own bans on travel from China. So when you continue to hear him applaud himself for doing something that he said nobody else wanted to do, it's kind of a bullshit statement because things had already been put in place from the other country and private organizations to do exactly what he's applauding himself for. Do not let them gaslight you like this. Hold people accountable for their bullshit, please and thank you. Okay, rant over. Uh, how, how much are we going to have to start encouraging people to tip to get that voice from you? <laughs> no. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm just – I don't talk about politics much, but I do follow politics a lot, and yeah. I stay extremely I well mean, informed, look, as you all should. It's super frustrating watching it. You know, It's like we, we have the TV on here in between shows, and even it's on right now, but anytime any of these press conferences come on, you just we sit down on the couch, and we know like – this is going to be a shit show and a mm-hmm. half. And the second he opens his fucking mouth and he starts, yeah. you know, diverting the blame of something to everybody else but himself and his organization, you just sit there in complete frustration. I mean, yesterday, I think it was yesterday, the day before, they were talking about how he retweeted that tweet that had uh, Fire Fauci on it. Said, there's some people who, uh, who aren't happy with Fauci and there's some people who are. There's some people who, are, who aren't happy with he couldn't say uh, himself. Other people. And he I'm couldn't just like, say bro, himself. You will not admit. This is an individual who is so like narcissistic. Yeah. He cannot. He will, will not, not ever admit any fault. And that is a fundamental problem in leadership. Leaders should be willing to admit when they make mistakes yeah. and show you to earn your trust as an individual how they will improve in the future. And we should never be putting people in power who refuse to do so because they are incapable of actually leading people when they can only think about themselves and protect their own well-being. In a fundamental state, if someone is protecting even the most basically proven, proven things through their own statements that you are incorrect, when a reporter says, we have in front of us tweets that you put out 
saying exactly what you're accusing the WHO of doing. Here's the thing. Should we hold the WHO accountable if they made mistakes? Yes. yes. But how does this fundamentally, fundamentally make sense? You're saying China has too much influence over the WHO. We were the number one backer of the WHO. Bill Gates is second. More so than any country, the Bill Gates Foundation is second in funding to the WHO. So if China has too much influence in the WHO, by pulling our funding, what have you now done? You have given China more influence because you've removed ourselves from the table in a time of a pandemic where supplies are needed. Information needs to be shared. You have fundamentally cut the CDC off at the knees for understanding what's happening in the rest of the world. It's fucking stupid. And it should be called out as so. I should never talk about politics on this channel. I'm just going to fucking go off. <laughs> I'm just going to go off. Well, I mean, but I think, like, to be honest with you, you know, we talk about how this show is an opportunity for us to, like, spend one-on-one -on -one time with, with, with the audience, with you guys. And I think it's very valid for us to, like, be able to also yeah. vent certain frustrations. Because I also, I also think it would be very disingenuous and just not authentic if we came here every day and we're like, everything's going great, guys, right? And just pretended that the, mm -hmm. we weren't frustrated by what's happening. Yeah, I think uh, I think honesty is uh, is more. I don't know. I just think it's it's a. Uh, it's more relatable. I think that's where um, a lot of people may not like Governor Cuomo of, mm -hmm. of New, York, New York. Yeah, but you cannot deny as a leader he has yeah. performed extremely well, and he has admitted when he's made mistakes, mm -hmm. and he's had very honest and open conversations with the public about things are bad. And here's how we can move forward. And though at first it may seem silly to have these little like uh, little graphs up on screen of like words of encouragement and things like that, it's so comforting to have the most basic aspects of a leader in front of us in a time of a pandemic. It's what we need. Mm -hmm. And I, I just I really hope we come out of this, and I hope we figure it out. And I really hope that everyone holds our current administration responsible for their misdoings. I don't care where you land on the political spectrum. Yeah. You have to be willing to look at your leaders and critique them. If we're able to critique the World Health Organization for their actions and remove funding from them, we should be able to do the same for our own government. Exactly. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. We are not under the totalitarian rule of a king. We are a democratic republic. We should have the ability and the rights to say these things and, and to have opinions on this and not be told that we're being overreacting right. or that we're wrong to even ask these questions right. and we should never normalize it fake news you know, i think the news. most unfortunate situation of all of this is the journalism the media in general um has had to all, like we are normalizing it by covering it they're doing their jobs by having to tell you what's being said and what's going on and that i think is the most unfortunate aspect of all of this is just by reporting it you're normalizing it mm -hmm. and there i think journalists are in a huge conundrum because they're not allowed to share their personal feelings. Right. Now, talk show hosts, uh, they're different. Yeah. If you watch certain shows that have an opinionated spin on them, that's different. And I don't consider them journalists. I'm talking about the people on the ground, uh, political journalists who are reporting on the facts and what's happening. They can't share their honest thoughts with you. They can't even let you know how obscene everything that's happening is because it would, it would only bolster his own claim that the media is corrupt because they're not supposed to share those things. They're supposed to keep it with just the facts. But we've now been gaslit into believing that facts are some alternative idea that don't exist. Yeah. Uh, I got to get off this topic. We're, we're, <laughs> let's move on. What else is going on? Uh, I mean, I mean, so you were talking about journalists and like how everybody right now is sort of like we're everybody's in a financial pickle, right? So they were talking about actually the, the LA Times has had to furlough a bunch of workers yeah. because all of their revenue has been nearly eliminated. And it's like, I, I read that yesterday and I was frustrated, but also very conflicted because yes, I definitely like want to support those people. I don't know how to do it outside of subscribing to their news website, but I also read news from like 10 other sources and I don't know how like realistic that is for everybody right now to like dish out money yeah. you know, to all these different to all these different news organizations. It's not. You know, so it's like it's such a like pickle. This whole situation is yeah. so like tough on everybody. I mean, there were a lot of mistakes that have been made and I don't yeah. know how we come back from them. As yeah. a country, mistakes have been made from a capitalistic standpoint where we allowed corporations to buy up all these other corporations, Rupert Murdoch, Bloomberg, they should not be able to own whatever political spectrum mm -hmm. they're on. You should not be able to own the media that gets put out when you yourself can inflict your own political bias on the media 
itself. Um, there used to be things in place that allowed that to ke- keep that from happening. Yeah. I can't remember if it was 1996 or somewhere around in there when these things kind of dissipated and uh, people were allowed to just buy up fucking everything, even smaller mm-hmm. city newspapers and small news stations being able to be bought out by the larger corporations. It's it's a fundamental kind of problem. Mm-hmm. And I find it so interesting all the time that we live in the information age. We have access to the entire world at our fingertips. Um, But that also means the entire world has access to misinform us as well. Yeah. And I do feel for people, you know, like my wife who she just gets kind of overwhelmed. You know, where do you go? Who do you trust? How do you find the information that you need when entire campaigns from bot farms are put in place to make you believe alternative things, to get Mm -hmm. you riled up, to have entire intelligence agency reports that show that something's as simple as Black Lives Matter rallies in support of were created by bots just as much as anti-Black Lives Matter stuff was supported by bots Mm -hmm. because they want to create division and anger and hatred and so they're pitting two fundamentally like opposing sides against each other and riling everyone up because Mm -hmm. the more that we are against each other the more likely they are um around the rest of the world Uh, i don't want to call them enemies because that feels disruptors you know uh disruptors of things that we have it always comes down to money in the end you know it's Mm -hmm. Always about money in the end and not about us as individuals, as American people. I think it's more about who holds power over what. Yeah. And following the money, I feel like, is something I was taught a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would appreciate. um, I know I argue with my dad a lot. And if he's watching right now, I bet it drives him nuts that he can't yell through the TV back at me. (laughs) Um, But I was kind of taught a simple principle when I was younger of, you know, follow the money. That usually leads to truth. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of problems that we encounter now that if you follow the money and you see who profits from certain things, you know, it's just like when certain drugs are being pushed on us and you're like, why is our president promoting a certain drug to a great extent? And all it takes is the tweet from Seth Abram to say, all right, who on Twitter can find out where the link is between money Mm -hmm. and this drug? And then boom, within 20 minutes, article after article. Oh, remember, this was a corporation that was brought up in Michael Cohen's case. Michael Cohen's currently in prison. The president's attorney is in prison for (laughs) breaking laws that if anyone knows attorneys, it's like, do you think they really did that on their own of their own free will or at the request of their client? But let's not look too deep into that from a common sense standpoint. But, you know, one of the cor- one of the corporations that makes the drug that's being pushed on a national level on a during a press conference where people want to save themselves. We're listening to the president, not for ratings, but to know how we as a country yeah. move forward. And in that opportunity, Guidance. a drug is being pushed that is untested. And that drug happens to be a company that spent over a million dollars to Michael Cohen to get access to the White House. Follow the fucking money. Yeah. This isn't conspiracy level shit. This is just kind of like common sense shit. And if that is not true, that they themselves are um, did not for somehow have a deal with the president to be pushed in that way, they should at least be removed from the conversation out of a conflict of interest because they were brought up in a lawsuit where they gave $1 million to the president's attorney. Get out of here. This is common sense shit, and for some reason we're not holding it accountable. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I also did look at uh, Governor Newsom's, um, his like sort of like six-point, guideline kind of on like how we can get back to normalcy but i really did appreciate that there was no pressure on a date and i know there's been a lot of conversations about you know when when are we going back to work and yesterday that press conference was so frustrating to listen to where it was just like people want to go back to work people want to go back to work we want to get the economy up and running it was like you're putting you're putting people's like safety you're making it like seem like that's not a priority because money and it was super frustrating but i've it's been really refreshing mm-hmm. to listen to our mayor and to listen to our governor talk about like. Well, there's a plan. Th- yeah, we we, we want to do these plan. things. Yeah, we want to do these things, but we want to make sure it's done That's safely. That's what I want from a national right level. Yeah. I want. I don't want to hear somebody talk about themselves for an hour and yeah. a fucking half about how great they are Jerking and everything they've done. Off. I want to know what we're doing for the future. <laughs> yeah. What are the steps that need to be taken that we can trust? It's safe to go outside mm-hmm. and not endanger our fellow Americans. Yeah. And I do appreciate that Gavin Newsom's putting out a plan, and that plan is very open and admitted. All of these things can be taken yeah, off the table. It's all uh, gonna. It's gonna evolve. No it's matter gonna what fluctuate we do. based on the numbers, yeah. and we're gonna make those decisions based on the facts. But we need yeah. a plan. We do. We do. We do. Um, 
We've got about 10 minutes left. So we got about 10 minutes. You got any other news things you want to talk about? Uh, I feel like we should talk about this Dune thing. Dune, baby. Dune, baby. Uh, Oscar, Those pictures, Isaac, man. Oscar Isaac looking real good in that beard. I don't know why everybody got so like turned on by that picture. I mean, it had no effect on me whatsoever. <laughs> go, go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, um, this is my whole Twitter feed just <laughs> perked up with everybody getting real hot and sweaty. So I admittedly have never read the book. The Frank Herbert book. I have not seen Lynch's Dune. I have not seen the documentary Jodorowsky's Dune. Um, I have also not seen the miniseries that came out in 2000-ish with William Hurt. Um, This will be my first experience into Dune, and I kind of want to keep it that way. I'm sure there will be a lot of people in the comments who are like, oh, you got to watch it, you got to watch it. I'm like, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to read it. Mm -hmm. I think Denis Villeneuve is a filmmaker who's been a fan of this book for a really, 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 really long time, he says. And he thinks that, like, a lot of like the politi- the political climate that we're sort of in and the economical climate that we're in, and I believe him because he's done this with almost every movie that he's made, he will find a way to make it feel very rooted and modern and very relevant. Well, it's a very relevant. Exactly. It's like imagine a future where everything sucks. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> mm. And uh, the thing that I that I forgot that I think is a really key thing is he's not turning the book into one movie. It's two. It's a two-parter. Which is probably for the best. Yes. Because Pretty dense. I, I think if... I, I love Blade Runner 2049, and I, but I at the same time completely understand people's criticism that the movie's just too long. If he were to make Dune, I don't doubt that it'd be three and a half hours long. Would it be a big sprawling epic? Probably. Mm-hmm. But I think to make it really digestible for people, I think going a two-part movie route is kind of perfect. And the cast is fucking crazy. Like, I knew Timothy Chalamet was in it. I remember that Oscar Isaac and uh, jo- Josh Brolin were in it. I forget. I f- totally forgot that Zendaya was in it. I totally forgot that Jason Momoa was in it. Um, I it's forgot that Javier very, Bardem is in it. Very star-studded cast. Really, really good cast. Stacked. Incredibly. Uh, so I'm, I'm very, very excited with this movie. I was telling Zach, the only thing that kind of bums me out is that Deacons is not the cinematographer behind it. Yeah, I didn't it. know that, and now I'm less excited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who is? Uh, it's Greg Frazier, who shot Rogue One. Okay. And he's currently shooting The Batman. Yep. So... I like I, I like the it's cinematography in, in Rogue it, One a it's, lot. It's tight, it's, but it's it not is, like it's not iconic. Deacons, yeah, it's tight, but not iconic. Deacons was shooting 1917 while they were shooting this movie. So Just, you know, one of the most impressive cinematography feats of all time. Right. So he was busy. He was. He was busy. He was busy uh, pulling off 20 minute long one takes. I know. <laughs> J- uh, Dave Bautista is also in this, which like I loved that opening se- sequence in 2049. Like Ugh. I thought Bautista, and that was amazing. And just before people ask in the chat, we have not sat down and watched the shorts yet on the Blu-ray. We'll oh, do no. it. We'll do it. I know people kept tweeting By at the me. Way, we'll do it. So, a lot of people brought this up, too. There is a special feature disc in my Blu-ray set. Do you have the Final Cut Blu-ray, too? The 4K yeah. one? So, did you know that there's a special feature set that has all the cuts? Yeah. Oh. You didn't know all the cuts were with you? I didn't remember that. They're all in that set. I didn't remember that. Because yeah. I borrowed I borrowed a version from Cameron that he has, mm-hmm. and it had all the cuts, but it was all, like, separated out. Yeah. I didn't realize that it was sitting underneath the 4K Blu-ray. Yep. Yeah, you got right. every cut there. I got every cut there. Um, you have you seen Lynch's Dune? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So highly forgettable movie, except that it's really bad, and you remember how bad it is. <laughs> outside of the movie, I rented that in two thousand and four at oh a Hastings God. in Warrensburg, Missouri. <laughs> I had just taken a trip down Lynch Lane and started. I, I think the week before <laughs> I had watched Lost Highway, and I yeah. thought, you know what? Let's dive even deeper. And at that Hastings trip, I picked up Straight Story, and I picked up, uh, and I picked up Dune. And I'll always remember how the packaging looked, and, and I was just like, wow, I can't believe Dune did a major studio film like this, or, or Lynch did a major yeah. studio film like Dune, and I didn't hear about it. And uh, I'll never forget my disappointment, either, watching that alone in my dorm room that night. Yeah. Did you, so conceptually, though, or not conceptual, but the concept of Dune itself, is it? Do you feel like it could be with Denis Villeneuve's vision? Is it some like? Could it be? Uh, I hate using this term, but could it be kind of like a new Star Wars or a Lord of the Rings thing? Is it like that sort of an epic, or is it? I think a lot of people want it to be. Yeah, I think a lot of people who hold the book very dear uh, to their hearts, like I, I think they want it to be the next kind of Star Wars, or whatever. But I don't think it can be. Mm-hmm. You know, I also uh, don't think that like that's the type of filmmaker that Villeneuve is. No, like he can make it feel really like. To me, Blade Runner 2049 I, feels epic, I think, but it's also very personal. Star Wars being Star Wars is almost a fluke in of itself, yeah. you know? Like it's, it was such a lightning it's such a in a combi- 
combination of so many different types of genre and with in one that works so well mm-hmm. and the the lighthearted escapism that is present within star wars is not present within yeah. dune you know it's 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 a world that Villeneuve is perfect to explore, but it's bleak sure. as it's bleak as fuck. Which like, but that's the part that kind of excites me. And 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 I'm not necessarily when I talk about Star Wars, I'm not necessarily referring to like the tone. It's mostly of like the world building and the yeah. the, the scope and like how it feels expansive. Like Lord of the Rings kind of feels like that to me too, where it's like you, it's like a wide net of so much stuff. Uh, Harry Potter is also kind of like that, I guess, too. Yeah. To a certain point. And in all fairness, like, I'm, I'm talking as an outsider. I tried reading the books in college yeah. and my dyslexic ass, like, if I could pick up the audiobook, I'd get through it. Sure. But I, I couldn't. Very dense, and yeah. my brain couldn't hold uh, attention through it. I also think right now, technologically speaking, this is like the perfect opportunity to, to attempt something like Dune. That's something that obviously, you know, deals with, It's such a, like, science fiction mm-hmm. concept. I think right now we're in the perfect time. And I agree. I think Denis Villeneuve is going to be perfect. probably, like, Absolutely the best perfect. To do it. Totally perfect. Uh, yeah, they'll be able to handle it. No uh, what studio is doing Dune? I believe it's Warner Brothers. Um I'm pretty sure it's Warner Brothers because I think they said in the interview that the reason that he was able to even get them to do a two-parter was because of the success of It, Chapter 1 and 2. Nice. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a really amazing-looking cast. I'm really pumped for this movie. And uh, I'm going to do everything I can to not read the book or to stay away from the other versions. Oh, then to just be totally surprised. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. I think it'll be more enjoyable because you'll have nothing to compare it to. I tend to do that a lot. And, like, there's a lot of books that I have not gone back to. But, like, with Harry Potter, I watched the movies and then I started the books. And I couldn't really get into the books. And I'm sure it's no fault of the book. I think it's just me being just kind of more captivated and entertained by the visual aesthetic of the of the of the first movie at the mm-hmm. very least um so yeah i tend to stay away from reading anything that like is a book or even a comic book honestly like that's inspired by or created in reference to uh, i just want to experience the movie for what it is so i don't have that opinion of like yeah. well the book did this and this worked better and da 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 i don't really like want that i want to just enjoy the two different things for what they are yeah and i feel like i i can't do that if I read the book first I'm already like I don't know like my my opinion has already kind of been jaded because I'm like ah well the book did this and they didn't do that so yeah I don't know it's really really tough y'all uh coming up next here on hyper RPG Malika is going to be cooking some quinoa salad she's focusing on healthy foods this week so stick around if you want to know some easy recipes on how to make uh, a really tasty quinoa salad we're going to come back from that with war with the evil power master part two we failed part one mm-hmm. uh, we played this game yeah, last Wednesday game and was it was fun. really fun we're yeah. excited to dive back into this and see if we can win this time and because it's a choose your own adventure we know that it's going to be different and mm-hmm. we know that we're going to have different results which is going to be super fun but yeah. i have to rebuild all the tech for that and get that all set up but I, we'll, we'll we'll be ready we'll It'll be, be ready and it's going to be super super fun and then tonight we are watching the lure on criterion mm-hmm. uh i hope it's not as weird as last <laughs> night it's going to be weird <laughs> i hope it's not weird. as dark uh i will also say final thing uh if you have never seen splash and you want to watch splash please for the love of fucking god don't watch it on disney plus <laughs> Please. Yeah. The <laughs> I could go those on a whole Disney rant plus, about that. Those Disney Plus edits, man. Woo. I would actually love to at some point talk about how we think movies will be affected by streaming services based on what they can and cannot put out there. I think, I mean, we've been theorizing about this for a while. Yeah. Also on our access to media and memories. Yeah. The one thing that does stink about physical media disappearing is it's really hard to find anything right now. Mm-hmm. There's certain things you're like, wow, I can't believe this movie's on Netflix. That's so cool. Wait, what about all these movies that I want to watch? Yeah. I can't go to a video store, video store and pick them up. Right. I can't get them on any streaming service. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't own them, you're shit out of luck. You are. And good luck ordering anything. I know. You know, so it, I think there's a whole discussion that can be had there about how in the long run it's kind of controlling our access to media. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a movie like Splash is not even out on Blu-ray, so it's like, cool. I got buy, buy DVD or VHS. Like, yeah. how do I even watch this movie? Very frustrating. I'm not going to get into that right now. Well, like we said, Malika is coming up next. And just like you can be supporting our channel through tipping towards what movies you want us to watch next week, which if you've not joined us for a watch along, you really should. It's one of the most fun things we do. It's one of our favorite memories of this entire, entire pandemic lockdown. Uh, You can also be tipping for what Malika does next week. Next week is going... Uh, Malika is going to be cosplaying as a nerdy character and cooking something from their world yeah. 
on uh, on every single day of the week, but you get to vote through your tips in support of the channel. Uh, your support of her cooking streams allows her to buy ingredients over the weekend. Uh, we get once a week that we get to go out, and that's why we're doing this vote ahead of time for what we know we're doing next week. So over mm -hmm. the weekend in our one trip, she can buy the food that she needs for the whole week. And uh, I know that Pooh Bear is one of the options. Okay. <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. Uh, there's a part of me that really wants to see Malika dress up as Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and I hope that that happens. Uh, but thank you guys so, so much. Um, we really appreciate you watching Hyper RPG during all this, participating in these crazy times with us, supporting us. Um, and you have a voice too. We want to hear from yeah. you. Make sure to talk in our Discord, discord.gg slash hyperrpg. Continue to communicate in our chat room. Even if we don't talk back and we don't get a chance to communicate with you, we see you, we're listening, and uh, the things that you have to say and the experiences you have to share could be helping other people in our chat room as well. It's not just about you communicating with us. It's you communicating with, with each, each other. other. Yeah. That's really important to us here at HyperRPG. So thank you all so, so much. Don't go anywhere. We are going to be going upstairs to Malika. Don't. I'm serious. Don't you dare. Don't you dare go anywhere. Don't you dare. This is home, baby.